Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 436 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, something a little different. I want to do something a little different today, and I'm going to start doing this different thing every single Monday for you guys. Um, most of the time on this show, it is a um, you know, educational show straight up. I'm trying to teach you about something. Uh, and while I think that is extremely valuable and I'm going to continue to do so um, throughout the vast majority of my episodes, on Mondays, I want to spend a little time uh, doing a little looking back at the stock market of the past week uh, and seeing what we can expect moving forward. I want to do a little more market commentary, uh, and hopefully that can be helpful for you guys. Hopefully that can be uh, maybe interesting and provide you guys with a little more value. Uh, if you know, maybe you do have your financial life in order, uh, and you're just more interested in investing and what's going on and what you should worry about or um, why you shouldn't worry or whatever, right? I want to provide those things for you, uh, and you know, maybe even open up this channel to another base of viewers that may just be more interested in the investing stuff. Um, so that's what I'm going to start doing today. I'm going to start calling it Stock Market Mondays. Uh, and so we are going to dive into it today. So just stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. And that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out on these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, the things I want to talk about today are the things that are relevant right now in financial markets, right? It may not all be directly stock market related, but it's likely having some effect uh, on the stock market. And I'll try to pinpoint what those effects are, even if they may not be uh, completely clear, right? Um, so there's a few things I want to talk about, a few different topics. We'll try to get through them uh, in today's episode. But I'll just start off on a positive note, right? For those of you who may be looking for a reason to jump ship from your investments, I'm going to start on a positive note. And that positive note is that profits soar uh, as U.S. corporations have the best year since 1950. And this is from Bloomberg Businessweek. Uh, new data shows that earnings jumped 35% uh, in 2021, while workers got an 11% bump uh, in their wages, right? Um, so this is this is big, right? Uh, the thing that fundamentally is going to drive stock prices over a long period of time is typically going to be profitability, right? It's going to be uh, a firm's ability to, um, you know, make something on the bottom line, have uh, some capital that they can uh, either reinvest in the business or uh, return to shareholders. That's how you're going to make money. Now, this is... Um, a really big deal if you're having the best year since 1950. Now, does this mean that this will continue? Not necessarily, right? Um, we're going to talk about some headwinds that may be in the way uh, of this type of thing uh, continuing. But, um, I mean, 2021 was a very, very solid year 
for corporate earnings. You had everything working, um, you know, in the way of corporate earnings, right? If you have, um, you know, a recovering economy, you had low rates, you had accommodation uh, by the Fed on both rates and uh, their, you know, repurchasing of uh, bonds from the market. You had all these different things going on. Um, and everything was pretty clear for corporate uh, profits to be very, very high, and the stock market followed suit as you got really, really good returns last year. Now you may be saying, well, yes, Dylan, this is the case, but you know, what about this year? Because this year is not necessarily shaping up like last year, and when it comes to corporate profits, I don't think that this year um, is going to um, be all that bad. I don't think it's going to be uh, you know, the biggest disappointment ever, but it's probably not going to meet uh, the big beats that we saw last year. Now, what's the S&P uh, 500 looked like year to date? Because we use the S&P 500 typically uh, as the you know benchmark, as the uh, market index that we can look to and say, uh, what has this done, and you know what should my portfolio be doing given my allocation or whatever. So um, the S&P 500 year to date is down 5.23 percent. Uh, as of the close on Friday. And given uh, that we had already been in a correction territory, and for those of you who don't know, corrections statistically being uh, 10% or more um, below the all-time highs, given that we were already in correction territory um, earlier this month, I mean, 5% down is not all that bad. And if you just look a bit more recently, right, if you just look at the past month, we're up 4%. Uh, or if you go from uh, Monday, March 14th close uh, to Friday, April 1st close, uh, you're talking about nearly 9% up uh, in just those couple of weeks, right? So uh, we're really on an uptrend when it comes to the market uh, itself. And uh, this doesn't necessarily look like a market that's going to uh, blow us out this year, where we'll just see, you know, uh, all time highs after all time highs, as we've seen in our recent bull markets. But uh, stranger things have happened. 5% down uh, can be erased very, very quickly. Like I said, just a couple weeks and we're up 9% uh, from where we were previously. We do that again, we're in positive territory for the year and who knows where we go from there. Now, uh, the bond market is also down uh, year to date. And I think this uh, is an even more interesting story. I said we're going to talk about the stock market. Well, obviously the bond market impacts a lot of your investments uh, as well because many of you have bond allocations. And the bond market, if you look at like a total bond market index fund like Vanguard's uh, BND, uh, you can see that the bond market's down about 6% uh, year to date. And it's been a pretty steady bleed uh, for bond investors. And the reason for that uh, is the Fed, right? The reason for that is because uh, the Fed is on the march, right? They are um, on this march to increase interest rates uh, and to you know stop the accommodations that they were putting uh, into the market because as they were repurchasing bonds, as they were buying bonds from the market, they were creating support for bond, right? bonds, right? Because prices would be rising. But uh, now they stopped doing that. Uh, now they're uh, increasing uh, interest rates. And as interest rates rise, what happens to bond prices? Bond prices uh, fall. This is just not um, you know, a good look for bonds as they move forward. Now, um, does that mean you should not hold bonds in your portfolio? Absolutely not, right? Rarely have we had a year, especially if you have some diversified portfolio, right? If you're just a bond holder, then good luck, hold your breath, do what you got to do, right? Or if you're just a stockholder, then, um, you know, you really don't have a lot of worry about the bond market anyway. I mean, 
myself, I don't have a bond allocation, right? I've told you guys before, being as young as I am, given that my objectives are so far out into the future, I invest in stocks only uh, and keep very small amounts in cash other than you know my emergency savings and things like that. Um, but for those of you who have diversified portfolios like the typical individual, uh, you know this is not necessarily bad news for you. Yes, it's bad news for part of your portfolio, but uh, very rarely uh, have stocks and bonds uh, gone in the same direction and that same direction being downward uh, in the same year. Now, right now, we would be looking at a year where, um, you know, if the year ended today, that the bond market and the stock market were both down for, you know, the year, but we're only a quarter in uh, and things are very, very likely uh, to change. Now, that being said, there are also the perfect headwinds in place to keep us um, from digging out of the hole, at least in uh, the stock market, right? Because there's so many other things that are occurring. Obviously, higher rates are not good for growth stocks, even though they are good for uh, value in general. And the reason that that is, is because growth stocks are typically smaller, they're more strapped for cash, they need uh, to be able to borrow, and the cheaper that they can borrow, uh, or the cheaper that they're issuing, um, you know, new equity, whatever, uh, then they can, you know, grow faster and continue to grow, continue to grow. But when rates rise, it increases their cost uh, of raising new capital. And so um, it decreases firm value. Whereas value firms, firms that have really good cash flows are really stable. Uh, they are winners during uh, these types of times. But um, the question really comes, is the S&P going to turn positive for the year? Are we going to see a year where bonds and stocks are both down? My guess is bonds will be down for the year, uh, but will stocks be down? I, I think it's way too early to tell, obviously, and there's way too many things that could occur uh, or could you know, turn around or could continue in the same direction that we really just do not know. Now, this kind of brings me to my next idea because I talk a little bit about, okay, the Fed raising interest rates and the impact that this has uh, on the stock market. Something uh, has occurred again uh, recently, and uh, we've seen this a couple times um, in the recent past, right? We saw this uh, most recently back uh, in late 2019, and we've seen it occur again. Now, late 2019, I feel like there was no real way to know uh, that this would actually come to pass in the way that it did, uh, but it did, okay? And what I'm talking about uh, is an inversion of the yield curve, right? And you may say, okay, well, I don't know what the heck an inversion of the yield curve is, right? An inversion of the yield curve is just literally this. It's when the 10-year uh, treasury bond, right, which is typically going to yield higher than the lower maturities, right? The five-year, the two-year, the one-year, the you know three-month, six-month, whatever, right? Because you're taking more risk by holding a bond longer, there's more cash flow default uh, related risk there, right? So you would expect to get paid more. So the yield on the 10-year, when it drops below the yield on the two-year, and don't ask me why it's the two-year, that's just uh, what this indicator is. Whenever it drops below the yield on the two-year, meaning you could invest in the two-year and make more than investing uh, for 10 years on an annualized basis, um, then when that occurs, a recession comes shortly after. So I don't want to sound the alarm on everyone, right? But this has proven to be a pretty um, a, a pretty useful indicator. So I'll give you some uh, historical precedent here, right? Uh, so 1978, 
late summer of 1978, the yield curve inverted. Um, by 1980, we were in a recession, right? Um, yield curve inverted again in 1981. Um, by late 1981, we're in a recession again, okay? Uh, yield curve inverts in late 1988. Uh, by 1990, we have another recession. Uh, let's see, yield curve inverts in March of 2000. Uh, by, by mid to late 2001, we're in a recession. Uh, yield curve inverts in 2006. Uh, by early 2008, uh, we are in a recession. Uh, yield curve inverted in August of 2019. Um, and by March of 2020, we were in a recession. Now that's the one I was saying, okay, how could you really tell? Because would we have been in a recession had um, had the you know coronavirus not come, right? Uh, if we had just kept going in the direction that we were. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but nonetheless, a recession did occur. Um, and this 10-2 spread really grew uh, even to a year ago. Uh, the peak was a year ago. March of 2021, uh, the spread between the 10-year and the two-year uh, treasury bond was 1.58%. Well, as of uh, you know, this week, right, this past week, we're at negative 0.06. So the yield curve has inverted. Uh, and the question becomes, you know, when's the recession coming? Is it coming now? Is it coming within two years? But it seems pretty reliable uh, over a long period of time that it will come, okay? Uh, given one reason or another, it will uh, eventually come. So, I think, um, you know, this isn't a reason to really put up red flags because there's still, I mean, you go back and look at some of these inversions, uh, there would still be really good stock market gains to be had between uh, those inversions and the recession actually occurring afterwards. Uh, but that doesn't negate the fact that the recessions did come. Um, now, you guys know, if you've watched the show for any you know particular period of time, that I'm a big long-term investor. And so uh, I don't think much about you know, like, hey, this recession's occurring. Should I, uh, you know, put more risk on? Should I take more risk off of my portfolio? But what I will uh, tell you, and I've preached to you guys many, many times about this, um, is that if you aren't in the proper portfolio, if you aren't taking the proper amount of risk for your particular risk profile, right? Because we all have our own risk profile, the amount of risk we're willing to take for a certain amount of return without just jumping ship when things go bad. Okay, if you aren't taking the proper amount of risk, right, and you know a recession indicator just blinked, a pretty reliable recession indicator just blinked, and then we have a recession, and we have, um, you know, let's say a, a bear market, which some would argue we just had a bear market, and we uh, definitely are, you know, coming out of one in the Nasdaq, but uh, nonetheless, it's going to put you in a position. Uh, if you have the proper portfolio to not jump ship when things go awry, right? Because you guys know that time in the market is better than timing the market. So I don't want you to try to time the next recession. That's not the point of me talking about this. This is just me saying this data hasn't lied over the last, you know, I don't know, nearly 50 years. And so um, if, you know, we just go back that far and see all the recessions, they happened after uh, the inversions of the yield curve. So this is just something I think is interesting uh, and something that may you know put you in a place where you should actually go and pay a little more attention to um, you know your portfolio and exactly the risks that you're taking. Now you may be asking well, what even causes the yield curve to invert in the first place and um, the, the big causes uh, are, are pretty clear, right? If the long-term rates uh, are lower than the short-term rates, 
right? What does the Fed have the most control over? It has most control over the short-term rates, right? Well, what the market is telling us is that um, they don't expect the short-term rates to bleed into the long-term, right? Uh, they expect the Fed to do what it has to do uh, in order to tame inflation. We know inflation is a big a headwind right now and is why uh, the Fed is doing what they're doing with increasing rates, taking away accommodations, things like that, right? Uh, and so if the Fed is going to do what it needs to do, it's going to impact the short end of the curve. Um, but the market's saying we're not expecting strong enough growth over the next 10 years to warrant uh, that rate going higher uh, than the two year, right? So um, that trying to, you know, perfectly explain this or perfectly get it to a point where, um, you know, it's it can be traded upon is, is very, very difficult. But um, nonetheless, seeing this recession indicator hit uh, something I think is interesting and something you may want to uh, look into. Moving on, right? Let's move to something uh, else. If you thought that recently we'd been uh, in dire straits and markets, you're not right, right? First of all, uh, we've been in much worse situations, but um, it wasn't a whole lot of fun there for a little while, right? Uh, if you go from January 3rd um, to uh, March 14th close on the S&P 500, it was down 13%, right? Being down 13%, it, let's say you just hold an S&P 500 index fund, um, it's no fun, right? But we have to back out a little bit and look at things with a little more perspective, right? If you backed out a year, right? If you felt like that just negated the past year's returns and we're not doing as well anymore and all these types of things, if you go back a year, the S&P is still up 11.48%, right? Which is fantastic. If I was making that year over year in the S&P 500, I would be absolutely thrilled. And you've made more than that in the last 10 plus years uh, if you were invested in the S&P 500 only. So um, we can't get too bogged down in the fact that things had been bad recently. Uh, but what, something that I wanted uh, to talk about were rolling returns of the S&P 500. And this is something that uh, Michael Batnick put out, who um, you know has the um, Animal Spirits podcast and the uh, Compound and Friend podcast, you know, works for Ritholtz uh, Wealth Management. And basically what he did is looked at 10-day rolling returns of the S&P 500, basically saying, uh, take a 10-day period, then the, you know, you move a day, the very next 10-day period, you move a day, the very next 10-day period. Um, and what he was saying uh, is that since March 14th, uh, if you take that 10-day period right after that, uh, that run is as good as anything that's been seen. That 10-day rolling return was the best 10-day rolling return that had been seen um, over the last decade if you just took out uh, March of 2020 lows, right, which was coronavirus crash lows because there's a big dip in 10-day rolling returns and a big spike upward uh, from that. But this, you know, we're pretty tame in what our 10-day rolling returns had been, and then you get this shoot upwards uh, of over 10%. So I think this is um, something to be very optimistic about, right? Something to be very bullish about, about the fact that, um, you know, yeah, we went 13% deep into um, this, you know, correction and what some people were calling a bear market because, you know, the market was being held up by just a few stocks and the NASDAQ was in um, a bear for sure. 
and then you have a, a big jump. And you know, you just go over and look at the, the NASDAQ uh, for a second. If you look at a one-year chart of the NASDAQ, it's only at 4%. So the S&P is uh, outpacing the NASDAQ um, on a one-year basis. Year-to-date, the NASDAQ's down almost 10, right? But from the March 14th lows, uh, the NASDAQ's up 13.36%. So um, this is something to be very optimistic about and just to know that um, you know, downturns don't last forever. And not only do they not last forever, typically on the other side of any type of significant downturn, you get some significant uh, upward spikes uh, in stock prices. So I think that's uh, very interesting. And, you know, it's a big bounce that didn't necessarily continue this past week. Uh, this past week was, was pretty flat uh, in the market overall. Uh, but it's something that, um, you know, I think is something to be, um, you know, thinking positively about uh, not so worried that we're going to have a continuation uh, into, you know, correction or bear market. And guess what? Even if we do, just keep buying, right? Just keep buying at these lower and lower prices and you will be okay. Now, a couple more things uh, in today's episode I want to talk about. Um, we haven't talked much about this as of late and, um, you know, this could turn into a very positive thing for markets and uh, the weeks to come, uh, but the impact that war has uh, on equities uh, is just not what you would expect, right? If you go and you look um, at the you know negative returns uh, of of the S and P five hundred, right, uh, around major negative um, you know geopolitical events, you'd be very surprised to know uh, that the S and P five hundred does not negatively. Um, you know, react very much at all. And I've talked about this before. And the days to recover from a negative reaction is, you know, amazing. I, I think one of the biggest ones in my mind is if you look even at the Kennedy assassination in 1963, the S&P 500 was down 2.8% um, at the trough. Uh, and then it took one day to recover, right? That's how long it took to recover from a president being uh, assassinated, which is just an amazing thing, right? So um, nonetheless, war shocks, they don't have this big impact on equities. Now, that being said, uh, on the other side of that is the fact that um, if, you know, this you know, war shock goes away, if there is a ceasefire, if there is, um, you know, calming of tensions between uh, Russia and Ukraine, then you could see, you know, big bumps in asset prices in the short term. Um, and that would be fantastic. And you may also see, um, you know, big decreases in oil prices in uh, the short term, which would be good for consumers, which would be good for stocks and all, um, you know, the things right on down the line. So, um, you know, which would be good for inflation, all those types of things. So um, I think if we do see some type of ceasefire in uh, the near to intermediate future, then you could expect, um, you know, a little bump uh, in stock prices that, that may not have been uh, foreseen otherwise. But uh, if that type of thing happens, I think it's a very good positive catalyst for markets. Um, but, you know, who knows the, the exact upward impact uh, that it would have to get this type of headwind out of the way. I still think uh, the biggest headwind in our way is not um, the war, is not uh, Russia-Ukraine. I think it is uh, the Fed. I think it is inflation, right? Is uh, the Fed going to do what it needs to do? Um, is what it needs to do going to put us in a place where we're not going to be able to make the returns that we would otherwise be able to make, right? All these things together, I, I think those are uh, the major headwinds to worry about. But otherwise, like I said earlier, coming off a year with amazing corporate earnings, likely still going to have some pretty good earnings 
uh, moving forward. I, I don't see you know tons of negative things outside of uh, inflation and the Fed here. So um, those are things to definitely be looking at. Now, the, the last thing I really want to talk about uh, in today's episode is the National House Price Index, right? The Case-Shiller uh, Index. So if you don't know what the, the S&P Case-Shiller Index is, um, it's basically this uh, index of home prices that covers all nine U.S. census divisions, and it reports every single month uh, what the increase in home prices is, or it gives some type of index, right? Some indexed uh, home price value. Um, and if you look year over year from January, right, the data is kind of, um, you know, backdated, right? It, they, you don't get the, the data immediately um, upon the ending of a month. So uh, if you look at the January data, right, the January data uh, shows a year over year increase of 19.2% uh, of home prices, right? 19.2%, which is up from 18.9% in the previous month, which are both just outrageously large numbers. Now, um, Phoenix, Tampa, and Miami reported the highest year-over-year -year gains among the 20 cities in January, which this is not surprising. You're seeing, um, you know, two of those are in Florida, which has no state income tax and um, very, you know, lax, you know, COVID rules uh, over the past couple of years. Um, Phoenix, that's where a lot of people go to retire. So this is not uh, super surprising. Phoenix led the way with a 32.6% year-over-year price increase, followed by Tampa with a 30.8% increase in Miami with a 28.1% increase. And you just have to think about this. That's not saying all the homes in Miami or all the homes in Tampa went up by that much. Uh, what we're saying here is likely that most homes went up just marginally, right? Uh, but you had uh, this, you know, these homes that are towards the top uh, of the price range, you know, doubling, tripling uh, in price, which is just outrageous and it drives uh, this average. Now, before seasonal adjustment, the U.S. National uh, Index posted a 1.1% month-over-month increase in January, while the 10-city and 20-city composites both uh, posted increases of 1.4% uh, per month. Now, uh, home price changes in January 2022 continued the strength uh, that were had for much of the prior year. Uh, the National Composite Index recorded a gain of 19.2%. Um, last fall, we observed that home prices, although continuing to rise quite sharply, had begun to decelerate, even uh, that modest deceleration was on pause in January. And this uh, increase was the fourth largest reading uh, of this index over the uh, 35 years of history. So this is pretty significant. Now, then the question is, is this going to continue? I know you guys get real interested in housing prices, and I myself am very interested in housing prices, what drives it, what's um, most interesting. And um, even with increasing interest rates, right, um, we're seeing this occur. Because if you don't know, uh, you know, interest rates, uh, especially on like 30-year mortgages, have increased quite substantially as of late. Now, this is as of January. I would expect February and March numbers to be lower, and I would be shocked if they uh, weren't lower than this uh, by a substantial margin due to the fact that uh, the Fed did raise interest rates. Uh, they took away some of that uncertainty. Raising interest rates decreases um, the demand for mortgages, which, um, you know, decreased demand for mortgages is going to decrease housing costs. Um, not necessarily decrease housing costs, but maybe slow uh, the increase in housing costs um, over time. So, I think this is very interesting as well. Now, could the housing market uh, have any substantial impact on uh, the stock market? 
I mean, it's this whole thing of, you know, if you're spending all this money on your house, you have less money to invest, which means that stocks don't go up as much, maybe, right? If you, everybody's just overspending on homes, uh, but maybe not as well. I think, again, this goes back to the big catalyst being the Fed, being raising interest rates and the, the you know, market reactions uh, to said things. So um, a lot of that is just a wait and see game. But nonetheless, um, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. I think there's a lot to be looking forward to. Um, I, I think that everybody's interested to see what corporate earnings are going to be this year. Uh, I think we're interested to see in what, you know, the beats look like. We're interested to see what this, you know, 10-2 inversion turns into, right? Uh, but always be optimistic of the fact that, um, you know, we do have a very resilient stock market. We do have a lot of consistent buyers, including myself and hopefully yourself as well, that are going to keep stock prices moving up over a long period of time. Uh, and ultimately, we've had great fundamentals that have continued to drive stock market uh, prices up and up over long periods of time. And truly, you know, over long periods of time, we've had a very accommodative Fed, even though that may change. And I'm very interested to see how that type of change may impact asset prices. But nonetheless, this is um, you know, your first stock market Monday, uh, really let me know what you think about this. Let me know topics, uh, throughout the week or, uh, topics that I may have missed that you're interested in. You leave those down below in the comments. Um, and I'll be sure to talk about those types of things, but, um, this is what I want to give you guys. I want to give you guys a little bit of commentary. I want to tell you some things that are going on and some things that are impacting markets, uh, and things that you may want to take with you, uh, as you go and learn a little more about, uh, and look a little more into, what I don't want this to turn into is me trying to forecast anything or tell you anything about the future because I just, I don't know, right? Um, we can, you know, speculate as much as we want, but ultimately I want you guys to be uh, good long-term investors uh, who focus on the positives, who focus on the good things uh, and the things that are going to get us to um, building wealth over a long period of time. So hopefully you enjoyed this video uh, and you will continue to tune in for Stock Market Mondays. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. And that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. Then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to the show on a day-to-day -day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I get back to uh, the more educational things and teach you guys uh, about personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.